everyone. Welcome to the Bulletproof Hygiene Podcast, where mistakes are welcome, nothing is off limits, and growth is inevitable. I am Sharissa Wood. I'm Brittany Simon. And we are putting our brains together to bring you the tools you need to elevate your hygiene practice, build amazing team culture, and provide patients with the very best care. Our mission is to help empower and equip every hygienist to practice purposeful, profitable hygiene. We look to guide you on your journey towards career fulfillment by providing support, collaboration, and community to our profession. As two of the top producing hygienists in the country, we know firsthand that these things lead to sustainable and fulfilling practice and the happy side effect of high profitability. So let's get to it. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Bulletproof Hygiene Podcast. We're super excited to have you joining us today. Um, Brittany and I are doing a little reminiscing today. Uh, We feel like we're far enough into 2021 to be able to safely look back uh, at 2020 and just kind of, we want to talk about what, what we gleaned from 2020 and what that taught us. Um, You know, it was a pretty unexpected time. There were a lot of things that happened that we didn't see coming and we struggled with and we grew from. And so we want to just revisit that. Um, And I know that, you know, there's been some tough times for our our country and our world in the past. And so we wanted to just kind of start off with that. And so Brittany's going to just kick us off with some um, a look back at kind of the Great Depression and what what that brought about for us. And then we'll kind of roll forward into looking at how COVID impacted us. Yeah, and I think that, you know, some similarities between the COVID pandemic and the Great Depression is that. Um, They were both massively unexpected. The impact was far reaching and wide and heavy. Um, It was, you know, they're both life or death situations. A lot of people have suffered inordinate amounts of loss in both of those situations. And and also there were some uh, changes that had to be made because of some of the difficulties that we face in both these instances. Um, So I think it's important that you know, we acknowledge it's totally okay. And it should be said that in, in my opinion, and I think in your opinion too, 2020 was a really tough year, really yes. tough year. There yes. was some terrible, awful things that happened, you know, during the year. And a lot of it was just unexpected and out of our control. So that's absolutely terrible. Um, and also we gained some opportunities that we didn't see coming because we had unexpected time off. So, so I just want to start by giving an example of the Great Depression, some of the terrible things and some of the things that had to come out of it um, or were prompted to come out of it that now benefit us as a society. Um, but it was because of this, this kind of terrible thing. Um, so the Great Depression, this is called The Effects of the Great Depression by Alan Behrens. Um, the Great Depression was a severe economic depression that started in 1929 in the United States. From there, it quickly rippled worldwide. During this period, unemployment and hopelessness about the future rose to an extent that suicide rates jumped. Just like the damage done during World War I and World War II, the effects of the Great Depression were no less devastating for world economies, politics, and trade. During this period, 25% of the population was unemployed. Trade with other countries dropped by 65%, and the prices of houses rose more than 30%. It took around 25 years for the United States of America to become stable once again. This article is about the effects of the Great Depression on the world. So this next portion is. So uh, global economic decline. The economy of the USA began declining from the start of 1929 and within five years had shrunk by 50%. 
The stock market lost 90% of its value and wouldn't recover to pre-depression prices until 1954. Outside of the US, other nations didn't fare much better. Australia's unemployment hit 29%. Japan's economy shrunk by 8%. Unemployment and hyperinflation caused the Weimar Republic and Germany to crumble, paving the way for the Nazi party's seizure of power. The response to the crash of 1929 was met by ineffective monetary policy, particularly in the US. In 1930, President Herbert Hoover enacted the Smooch-Hawley Act. This placed tariffs on hundreds of goods averaging between 40 to 48%. So a tariff is like a, a tax. So 40 to 48%. This spiraled out of control as other countries retaliated, decreasing global trade by 65%. This shook people's faith in the government, leading to riots and strikes across the nation. One example was in 1930 when the US Communist Party led a rally in New York City that soon turned into a 35,000 person riot. Others resorted to crime. The Great Depression saw a surge in crime. People like John Dillinger and Bonnie and Clyde tore across the country robbing banks. People considered them folk heroes due to the role banks and the government played in the crisis. Banking and stock exchange crashed altogether during the Great Depression. Over 750 banks collapsed during 1930 alone. By the end of the Great Depression, 9,000 banks would close. Due to these closures, depositors forced losses of around 150 billion US dollars. When banks first started collapsing, people rushed to pull their money out, exacerbating the issue. Because of this, banks were no longer able to invest capital, taking away an important lever to pull us out of a depression. The effects of the Great Depression hit Germany's Weimar Republic as bad as the United States. Its, dependent, its dependence on foreign trade and heavy levels of debt crippled. By 1933, unemployment levels hit 6 million. Prior to this, the Nazi party was a fringe political group Hitler fed, uh, fed off of the hopelessness and the hopeless feelings of Germany. And as a result, the party ranks swelled. The rest is history. So those were all of the obviously very negative things that right. came from the, the Great Depression. But I know one of the things we're going to talk about today is how sometimes some of the, the bad can bring some of the good. So what were the positive effects that came from? Right. So um, some of the positive effects involved banking regulations and things that maybe weren't even considered before. So banking regulation, regulations changed. The massive banking failure of the Great Depression promoted, prompted Congress to act. This came in the form of the Glass-Steagall Act in 1933, and this introduced the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, or FDIC. Because so many people lost their savings when the banks failed, the FDIC ensured that people would recoup their losses in the future. Um, there are also some changes made to labor laws. So though the effects of FDR's New Deal are controversial, there were many positive aspects that came from it. In 1940, the 40-hour work week was introduced. Eventually, a minimum wage was implemented, and also child labor was finally banned. Um, social, in regards to social, um, when the banks failed, leaving thousands of Americans close to retirement with no prospects, the Social Security Act of 1935 aimed to fix that. In guaranteed Americans, it guaranteed Americans over the age of 65 a monthly income to supplement their retirement. In addition to that, the government introduced unemployment benefits to cushion the blow of events like the Great Depression. So takeaways. The impact of the Great Depression was devastating worldwide. It took almost 25 years for the United States of America to recover from these losses. Due to determination of the common people and smart government action, the world overcame it. Programs like the New Deal transformed nations, help, helping lead to the more humane world we live in now. And I do want to say um, this isn't 
meant at all to be a political statement. So whether or not you agree with, you know, how the government acted in each of these situations or didn't, um, we just want to highlight some of the things that maybe helped some people, you know, maybe we're good in that instance, even if, you know, you don't like some of the policies or whatever, totally get it, not the point. Um, we just want to kind of review how there's always kind of opportunity in such a terrible time to make changes. And sometimes those changes are good. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think one of the things that I want to carry through as we talk today is, you know, what we perceive as bad in a lot of cases is actually opportunity for growth or change or new. Um, and it's honestly really kind of where our superpowers come from. Um, you know, they say that coal becomes a diamond under pressure um, when things are hard. And uh, you know that Brittany and I are big time Jay Shetty, Jay Shetty fans. And I was listening to his podcast with Will Smith earlier this week. And, and uh, Will was talking about how superheroes come from some of the really bad, hard things. And, you know, he was like saying, you know, Spider-Man got bit by a spider and Batman lost both of his parents. And, and you know, when you kind of look at all the superheroes, there were these like crazy hard catalysts that actually brought out their, their superpowers. Um, and, you know, going through the hard, a lot of times will bring about, you know, strength. You go through something hard on the other side, you're like, wow, I was strong enough to handle that. And now you have a little more confidence. And, you know, I, I, I did do that. I, I wasn't sure I could, and I made it through. And now you've got more autonomy. Mm -hmm. um, maybe you learned better communication skills, or, you know, you just had the opportunity to have some self-reflection and growth. Um, and I want to give just like a, a really true life example of this for me that just happened last week. Um, I had a patient leave a really awful review about me on our site and it crushed me. It really, me. really bothered me. me. Lost me in slander. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, it, it was really hard for me to read and, and it was really hard for me because it was literally everything that I try so hard to be the opposite of. Mm -hmm. um, and it was really hurtful and it would have been really easy for me to just say, well, pfft, they don't know what they're talking about. And, you know, who, who knows what they were going through. And that was just, a, you know, I don't even understand what they're they're just wrong and and walk away and leave it at that and just think, well, that was a bad review. But what I did do, and, and, you know, those were my initial like automatic thoughts were like, well, this person just sucks. And, you know, they don't know what they're talking about. And, but I took a few breaths and I just stepped back and I'm like, you know what, Sharisa, the reality is you don't always get it right. And sometimes you are in a hurry and sometimes you do get focused on certain things and, you know, and, and there are certain filters that people come through with, but my overall goal is to take the very best care of patients. And if they didn't feel taken care of or communicated with, or, you know, what, whatever the issue was, um, then that's on me. And so what could I have done better? What could I have done differently? And, and how do I take responsibility for this? And so, you know, I feel like it looked like a bad thing to me and it didn't trust me. It didn't feel good to me. But I moved forward and I sent a really long apology email. Um, I didn't argue any of the points. I just apologized that, you know, that, that this was their experience and this was their perception. And, you know, what could I have done differently? You know, that I, I really wanted to um, continue the relationship and care for them. And I was just very, very sorry. And I think, you know, I could have just viewed it as bad and walked away, but instead I viewed it as, okay, how can this bring value to me? And how can I grow through this? And how can I be a better hygienist and communicator through this? Mm -hmm. And I found myself throughout the week, you know, since that review came through 
really being mindful of how I'm communicating with patients and how I'm coming across and, the, and what I'm saying and, and checking in with them. And I feel like it made me a better hygienist for the rest of the week because I was mindful of, of all the things I was doing. Yeah. So I have to point out, and I am super glad that you, that didn't just like crush your soul because like anytime something like that has happened to me, it's so easy to be like, so deeply hurt I think especially like you said when um it's totally against what you try your best you put in so much effort and energy into into taking the very best care of your patient into educating them so that they can be as healthy as possible um into going above and beyond to make sure that they're comfortable and that they get it and that they're you know selecting the right treatment for them and that you know you really are trying to do what's absolutely the best for them. And like, what hits me sometimes is like, I think of, it's unfortunate, but I think that there are a lot of places where patients can go where maybe that's not the come from, you know, like maybe there are, uh, maybe someone is more driven monetarily. Like they're like, I just got to meet the quota. You know, I'm going to do whatever I got to do on this. Maybe when ethics aren't as deeply involved, you know, and I'm thinking like, here you are patient at this place where, we are highly ethical. We are planning for your success around every single corner. Like I am not recommending anything for you that I wouldn't for my own family. You know, this is exactly the treatment that I would want to receive if I were the patient. And then for them to come with accusations or saying basically the complete opposite of what you're trying to do and deliver and your values. So that can hurt, that can really sting. And I think that that's an important moment to say like, this is who I am. Like, these are the values that I want to emanate. And we've got to remember like that person is bringing their own situation and their own biases and their own past experiences into this situation. And they were dealing with whatever they were dealing with, you know, and people have triggers and maybe you said something unbeknownst to you that triggered this person or a past experience, you know? So I think it's really great that you were able to, I know that you got this news you shared with me that you got it at the beginning of the day. Right. And honestly, that would have really upset me. I would have been like, what? Like that is so far from my purpose, but you like got through the day and then you processed it. And I just love the way that you, did process it. And like, the only thing that I would say is I don't think that a patient perceiving something as good or bad is your fault necessarily. I don't think you can take responsibility for that. So, and I absolutely acknowledge that everybody has their own filter, right? You know, I don't know what her day or week or, you know, any of that was looking like, or what that Mm -hmm. filter was looking like. And, And so I know, and I know I've been doing this long enough to know that it may not have had everything to do with me. It might not have had anything to do with me. I don't know. But at the same time, I don't want to just dismiss that because there's value there for me. There's something I could have done better or different mm-hmm. and, and take that forward to care for my other patients. And hopefully, you know, that patient again in the future. Of course. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's the other thing. I think it's important to like take a step back and say, I can't control what this person does or says, but I can control my actions. And then you chose to reach out to the patient and say, you know, take responsibility for whatever they perceived didn't go right, ask how you can make it better, you know, and it's not, and I guarantee like the original appointment, I guarantee you were doing everything in your power to make this person comfortable and ask them questions and involve them in the process because I know you and I know that that's how you practice, you know, Um, but I really appreciate the fact that you apologize for for how their experience was right, experience right. because you didn't do anything quote unquote wrong. You, I'm sure you did everything by the book and you're, you're right. as caring as possible and whatever. But I think that that's a really hard thing to do, especially when there is a lot of hurt involved. Like 
my knee, my knee jerk reaction in that situation is like, are you kidding me? Like I immediately go to like this ungrateful person. Like, do they know how above and beyond I'm going to do all this assessment and make sure that they're healthy and educate them? Like, I don't have to do any of this. And I get real like hurt and bitter and defensive. Right. You know? And so I think that like, that's, that's okay. I think it's pretty normal and human right. as long as we don't let that be our, how we move forward. And I think that it's a healthy switch to do what you did and say, okay, well, what can I learn from this? And you know what? I'm not perfect and that's okay. And it's possible that I didn't do, um, that I didn't take as much time as I normally would. Maybe I was in a hurry. Maybe I didn't feel well. Maybe I was a little cranky that day. Like it's okay to, if something, if you actually did something, you know what I mean? To contribute to their bad experience and maybe just learning for future. Well, I can make it better in the future. I'll, it'll never be perfect. There will always be a, a negative review here and there, but it, but it could be better. You know, I think that that's a great, takeaway from that. Yes. Well, thank you. Thanks for investing your time and energy into listening to Bulletproof Hygiene. Remember to click subscribe to join our community of dental professionals that embrace growth and collaboration to better yourself, your patients, and our profession. For more information on our 2021 live summit, Bulletproof Hygiene book, and training opportunities, download the Mighty Networks app and search Bulletproof Hygiene. as we lead into talking about, you know, 2020 and what that looked like for us in COVID, because obviously it's very, very easy for us to view last year as a bad year Mm -hmm. um, and as not going the way we planned or hoped or wanted. Um, You know, it it was a, it was a horrible, deadly pandemic that caused a lot of loss of life and a loss of normalcy and a loss of intimacy. Um, You know, it lost a loss of us being able to socialize and and connect and have community like we like to. Right. And um, I think that, you know, loss of loved ones. And I don't think that it's ever a good idea to try and minimize the loss and the pain that comes with these situations. So what we're not saying is like, oh, we all just are happy for the opportunity that COVID presented because that's not really the truth. Um, you know, the truth is there was a lot of true tangible loss and we all experienced loss in different ways, I think in 2020. And we do every year. It was, it just seemed like it was tenfold, you know, last year because of the circumstances uh, with the pandemic. Right. So every, we, we had, we suffered a lot of losses, loss of um, income, you know, loss of ability to do our jobs. Um, and some of the losses were twofold. And some of the losses also opened up some opportunities for some things that I think a lot of us had put on the back burner or a lot of things uh, came into question that I think we were very able to easily ignore while we went about our normal lives pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. So like one of those things is, you know, of course, during quarantine, a lot of us had forced intimacy with our significant others, you know, whereas in many other times in our lives, if something got awkward or we didn't like what was going on in our relationships, we could just leave. We could just go out or we could just, you know, go talk to a friend or we can, we could experience a different outlet and kind of like ignore maybe the problem or the issue pretty easily because there were a lot of other options for us, whereas there weren't when things shut down due to COVID, you know, so it was forced intimacy with our significant others. So, um, Many people were living in denial of how their relationships with their loved ones were going, including me. Um, and, and we often don't take inventory of these things. So this was an opportunity to see what was working, what was not working in our relationships and whether relationships should continue or should be salvaged or should be, can or should be strengthened, you know? Yeah. Um, 
and I know that we've both heard and probably a lot of people have heard the uh, divorce rate went way up during COVID. And I think some of that has to do with, you know, spending some people getting on each other's nerves, but I think more of it had to do with problems that had been there forever came to light. And then people either decided to reconcile those problems and move forward stronger than they were before, or they decided they couldn't be reconciled, but at least people know that now, and you can at least move on with your life. Right. So I don't, so do I think it was fun? No. Do I think it was an opportunity? Yes, it was an opportunity. And, and to get really honest, it was for my husband and I as well. The first COVID shutdown, we had time and chose to face what was going on in our own marriage. And we, you know, we experienced separation in this whole thing. We, you know, went to therapy and did a lot of things. So, so I'm saying this with experience, not like this is what happened for everyone else. Like it was tough. Yeah. It was hard. And also I wouldn't have wanted it to go on um, without reflection for any longer because we were both ignoring problems that we knew were there because they were uncomfortable and hard to face and hard to solve. Yeah. And first of all, thank you for being so vulnerable and sharing. I love you. You're such a great example to everyone around you. Um, but you're right. I mean, when you all of a sudden are stuck inside with someone, um, you know, COVID definitely created some space uh, for addressing all of those life issues. Um, and you're right. I think that's, you know, we tend to, I think in life in general, when things are hard or uncomfortable or hurtful, we do kind of push those to the background because they're not fun to deal with. Um, that's kind of our natural inclination, but yeah, COVID definitely was all up in our faces with all the things. And so, yeah, I've heard a lot of stories of, you know, relationships and marriages and parenting strategies and, you know, things like that, that got pushed to the foreground. And, and, and some of those stories came out really, really well, where people were like, Hey, you know, we're, we're bumping up against this and we're going to do something about it. And, and in some other cases, it it went well from the aspect of, you know, they looked at it and said, this, this isn't a good fit, you know, and they went their different ways. Um, But I think, you know, for a lot of people too, I've, I've talked to a lot of friends and patients who took the opportunity to, kind of pursue some own, their own personal growth or development or just their own mental health. And I think, you know, when we talked about the great depression, how there were some negative things that happened, but then there were some positive things that came from it. I feel like now there are a lot more um, great online counseling opportunities for people that that didn't exist before. Um, And I think that's a really great thing for, you know, because being alone with your own thoughts, (laughs) Um, you know, I think having a lot of sound and noise tends to drown those out. So I think now that there's a new space to kind of, as you recognize, Ooh, there's some issues I need to deal with here, but I can't go out of the house to do those. Now there's some really great online opportunities for that. Yeah. And, and Trisha and I are super transparent about the fact that we are super proponents for therapy and the fact that everyone could benefit from going to therapy. I actually used one of those online apps called BetterHelp. Um, I really like it. It's, it's, caused everyone to start rethinking the way that therapy is done too, because it's become in this age of COVID an ongoing conversation. So it's not just you show up to your therapist's office once a week. This is, in my opinion, an improvement that has been made in therapy just because of COVID. It's like a side effect of this, you know? So the BetterHelp app, and we're not partnered with them. I'm not advertising for them. I'm just telling you the way that I think that this is developed and the way that it's a good thing. Um, they allow you to, there's a, there's a journal aspect where you can journal in the app and then you can share your journaling with your therapist. They could read it before your session or whenever to get like a perspective of what's going on in your life, or you can message 
your therapist directly and they message you back throughout the week. So it's not just those sessions once a week. It's like you get all these tools with it. There are group sessions that you can click on so you can pick different topics and enter a group and you know it's all for a, a flat cost every single month. But I think that this is an enormous uh, stride forward for you know therapy and the way that therapy is conducted and accessibility and um, you know these are licensed people. You know they've got masters and doctorates in, right. in mental health counseling and mental mental therapy. So so it's been a great experience for me. I think that that's one positive that came out of it. And also it's one of those things again like no therapy's not fun. Like it's not I don't like look forward to going to you know. But it's it's a great thing that I think is healthy for everyone, and it's I think improved because of COVID. Right, right. Yeah. Well, so. I think another aspect that we uh, faced was having a lot more uh, time on our hands. Um, I know you and I personally, um, our practices were both closed for about eight weeks, um, so we had a lot of time. And I remember honestly, I remember coming home the day that we got sent home. Um, and looking at my husband and, and saying like, I, I don't know what to do. Like, I didn't realize how much I identified what I do every day as kind of my identity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when you stripped that away, I was like, who am I? And I don't know what to do. And like, it was, a, it was uncomfortable at the beginning. Um, and we had all this, you know, excess time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if we want to call that quality time or unwanted quality time. Um, I guess it depends on how you looked at it. Um, but I think that it really did create some time for reflection. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we just talked about a lot of times we time to kind of push the, the painful or hard things away, but it allowed those to kind of surface, um, and reflect on what's going well for us personally or what's not, um, and what our goals and wants and needs and, and habits and hangups and all those things are. Um, I know it did that for me because I had to kind of step back and reassess and be like, Hey, what I go out, go out and do every day is not necessarily really who I am. What do I do with this empty space? Mm-hmm. I can definitely, definitely relate to that because I think that I, I had a similar experience. So when we, yeah, when we shut down, like it caused me, it threw me, it forced me to have to see how much of my value and self-worth and my identity were based on my job and what I do every single day, you know? And if you think about it, like it's one of, it's usually one of the first questions that people ask you when they meet a new person. So we associate it, you know, right after our name and where we're from, what do you do? You know, it's like part of your purpose and your identity. So um, it, it makes sense, but I had a total identity crisis too. And it was, it was hard. Like I, I know that I've shared this with you, Sharissa, but I did not have a good time in the COVID shutdown. Like, and I, and I know that probably a lot of people are like, oh no, of course no one had a good time, but I mean, like it was at least a vacation, you know, like a, at least it was time away from work, you know, where, where I could have relaxed and enjoyed myself to some extent, even though crazy things were going on in the world. But I was just having like such this like crisis of self, like, wow, I really do. Like you just said, identify that's my identity now my identity is gone for who knows how long who knows if it's coming back or is it going to be a year and whatever you know and this is who I am and I'm known by these people and my patients and this is my meaning this is what gives me meaning so what what am I now or who am I now and it caused me and I think a lot of other people and you to question like okay what do I do with all the space who am I really like because we're not our jobs we're not where we live we're not you know the sum of all of the details that we give people when we meet them we are humans, you know, who are worthy of respect, love, attention, connection, who long for relationships. So I think if we 
uh, take a step back and go to like our deeper needs, like we're, we're all people and then go from there and kind of rediscover who each of us are, what we like, what we dislike, um, what we value, um, what, what our hopes and dreams are, you know, who we want to have relationships with. Um, I think it created an opportunity for that. Right. So the shutdown in the clearly the loss of income and revenue and the inability for us to earn money, especially the quote unquote non-essential healthcare workers um, like like us as hygienists, that sucked big time, right? All the uncertainty that came with that, like, am I going to lose my house? Can I pay my mortgage? And how long is this going to happen for? And I have kids or I have people depending on me. And, and it was very, very scary. I, I remember I um. I drove to Spodak like several times. And I remember I sat in the parking lot mm -hmm. and there was one time when I called Dr. Craig and I'm like crying sitting in the parking lot, like Dr. Craig, I'm so upset. I, I miss working so much. And he's like, do you, he's like, where are you? I'm like, oh, it's Spodak. He's like, do you want to go in the building and just walk around and just, you know, reminisce and like <laughs> sit in there? I was like, yes. <laughs> so <laughs> when you're literally walking around crying inside my job because I missed working so yeah. much, you know? Well, and you know, we got to remember like we're looking, we're on the flip side of it now. Yeah. So we kind of know the direction it went, but at the time, like we really had no idea yeah. how long that was going to drag out and what that was going to look like and what we were going to go back to and what our capabilities were going to be. So it was, it was really, really a scary unknown time. It was pretty devastating. Yeah. When I got the news that we were officially like laid off and everyone was being laid off because of the uncertainty and didn't know when the office would reopen and, you know, everyone is you know, disconnected at this point in time and whatever. That was a terrible day, a terrible week. And I know that a lot of people around the world experienced the same thing. And some people have been able to return to the same job. For some people, it was an opportunity to get a new job. Um, and again, that's, that's an opportunity that came from a terrible thing. You know, a lot of people lost their jobs. I've talked to a few people who you know, aren't happy with new jobs. I've talked to some people who are thrilled with their new jobs and they're like, I can't believe I stayed at that job so many years. This is an opportunity that, that made me consider other things or change my career path. So that is another thing that, no, it's terrible. Losing your job totally sucks, but also can be an opportunity or, or can make a way to more growth, development and evolution in your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just an opportunity to kind of uproot and unplant some new seeds. And it really did caused me to stop and, and kind of evaluate who I am. And like you said, it's taking all of those things off the table that we say that we are. Um, and I just, I remember actually um, just kind of sitting by myself and, and kind of listing out all the things that I am. And I ended up at the end, like kind of in tears and it was a good thing. Like it was like a cleansing, like I'm a lot of things, you know? And it was everything from, you know, a mother and a caretaker and a servant and a teacher and a leader and a coach and like, you know, all those things, like it was almost empowering. It's like, I'm not just a hygienist. I'm a lot of things. Yeah. And, you know, I'm a lot of life things that they're, they're going to connect with people. So, you know, it was, it was hard, hard, hard and ugly and not fun, but there were definitely some growth and good that came out of that. Right. Yeah. So I think that, you know, like we've been saying, some of the opportunities that presented themselves during the quarantine periods, the shutdown periods, the social distancing periods were alone time that we got. So stepping out of the noise and chaos to feel, see, hear our own needs. So it gave us the space to do that. Um, it was an unplanned vacation for a lot of healthcare workers. So it gave us time for self-care and forming new habits. Uh, and this is one of those things where when it comes to adapting and being resilient and using 
what you have when it presents itself, when it's available to you is a really, really valuable skill and awareness to have, right? So that's because it's a situation where a lot of people also just sit and binge and watch Netflix, you know? Right. Nothing wrong with that. It's just right. also that space could have been used for something else, else, you know, like um, self-care, forming new habits, um, choosing an alternative career, training for something else, you know, it, it created an opportunity. And I think that how many times do you say, in your week or your month, like, man, I wish I had more time because I would do this and I would go back to school and I would learn a new language and I would, uh, I would write a book and I would do all this stuff. And then we had all this time. It was, it was unplanned. This is the thing. It was unexpected. So we weren't planning to fill that time with anything specific, but we all had things that we would fill that time with. Right. And we say it, we talk about them all the time. So it was as, as bad as it was. Yes. As scary as it was also an opportunity where we had free time to do those things. And it's a lot of autonomous things that we can do on our own free time. We can work out more. We can write a book. We can uh, record videos, start podcasts. We can um, start different systems. We can create something, something new technology wise. You can paint, you know, you can do some of your hobbies. I know, I know for me personally, there were a couple of things um, that I had always wanted to do. I had this idea in my head of making this cool uh, photo wall in our basement of all our family photos. And I had, I'm a Pinterest freak. So I had, you know, all these things pinned and I had this idea in my head and I was like, I got free time. So I did that and it turned out really cool. Um, I do remember, <laughs> this is kind of funny. My husband's lying to me when I first got sent home and I was like, I don't know what to do. He's like, Hey, do you remember that Ninja foodie that you had to have like two Christmases ago that you've never used? you should you learn how to use that? And he was right. I, I got a little fearful of it. I read some stories and things about it exploding. And I was like, oh, I'm scared of that. So I was like, you know what? You're right. So I Googled, I watched a lot of videos on how to use it and I started using it. And it's like one of my favorite things now. So, you know, it's just that, that opportunity of having the time and getting really comfortable with it and being able to use it. And I discovered a brand new thing. And before we continue moving forward, I have to tell you the story about my ninja. Um, you'll appreciate this. So I got a ninja blender, not a foodie thing, but a blender. Okay. This is quite wild. Okay. So if you've never seen a ninja blender, it has like these three blades mm -hmm. on the center spoke thing as it, you know, turns around and it blends the food, right. and whatever. And I used to make smoothies in the morning. So I used to have this crappy old blender, the blender finally stopped working. So I, I upgraded and got a ninja. It's just good marketing, by the way. Um, so I got a Ninja. The first time I'm using it, my husband um, leaves a lot earlier than I do to go to work. He's a teacher. He usually gets there super, super early. So I'm getting ready for work. I'm making a smoothie and I take the top off the blender and I go to pour my smoothie into my cup. But I didn't realize that the entire blade system in the middle comes out. So as I went to pour it, the blade started coming out and there's three separate blades. Okay. These like crazy, like yeah, sharp. Super, yeah, super sharp yeah. blades. Okay, it's fresh. First time it's being used. Oh, God. It's falling out. My knee-jerk reaction was to catch it. So I grabbed onto this blade and immediately my hand started gushing blood. Here I am in my kitchen by myself with my smoothie pouring everywhere because I'm like, oh my God, I just like caught this blade and it's all falling now. Mm. I'm like rinsing my hand. There's like blood gushing. I start passing out in my kitchen. So I have to lay down on the floor, put my legs up on the kitchen chair because I'm, I'm like, I'm going to pass out. I'm by myself. I'm going to crash. I'm, I'm like... So I just laid down, okay? And this is as I'm like preparing to go to work, right? So I do that. My husband's not home. He's not able to answer the phone. 
I, I, I was blacking out and then got better. Okay. And I was able to get up and I drank some water and I drank, you know, whatever, like orange juice or something. Right. So I felt a little better. And I wrapped whatever I could find, which happened to be a paper towel and electrical tape around my, around my thing. There were no band-aids. We didn't have band-aids like normal people, you know, and I don't think a band-aid would have done much anyway, to be honest with you. Right. So I wrapped like my three fingers or whatever were affected in electrical tape and a paper towel. So I get up and my plan was to, you know, stop at the store, get band-aids, do whatever I got to do to make sure I can put on a glove for the day. Okay. So I take what's left of my smoothie and I start going to go to work. I started my truck and I start blacking out again. Oh my God. I lay down in my driveway, put my legs up. My truck is started. The door is open. My neighbor comes over to me. She's like, are you okay? I was like, not really. I'm, I'm bleeding really bad. My ninja just got me. And she's like, oh my gosh, you need to go to urgent care. So like, um, I think I Ubered to urgent care or something. Like, I don't remember. I don't think I drove. I don't think I could drive. Um, but they just glued my fingers, you know, and it, and it turned into other hygienists accommodated my schedule that day. I wanted to try and come in later. And Erica was like, no, just take the day, you know, but just that, I guess, let this be your warning. Um, if you get a ninja, great well- idea. I have, I have a ninja foodie and there's no blades involved. So that sounds safer. Wow. Yeah. I did not know that story. That's crazy. Yes. But, but I still know. have my fingers still practicing hygiene just yes. a little blue and it was fine. Wow. And I, didn't, and I didn't pass out. I was very proud of myself. See, so you're saying I was kind of right to be scared of it. Okay. I feel better now. Yeah. <laughs> but well, now I figured it out and I do love it. Legitimate fears here. Yes. Um, so all that to say, I mean, I know some patients uh, learn to play instruments. They shared that with me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think it, it was a cool time to do some of the things that were maybe on our bucket list that, uh, you know, we wouldn't have otherwise had time to if we did that wisely. And and I'll be honest and say that there was some binging of Netflix as well for me. Oh, too. For sure. It wasn't all super highly productive. I also really took the opportunity to rest because how much time do you, do you get to do that in life? Yeah. So another one of the um, positives that I think came out of it was um, realizing how much work can be done remotely oh, and yeah. our ability to communicate um, using technology. So Zoom, um, FaceTime, phone calls, text messaging, emailing, like we realized how resourceful we could really get if we needed to get something done without actually being at the office. So I think that that's going to be an improvement in the future. So I know that we're all, you know, um, citing this new normal thing. And I, I think that it's never going to be the normal that it was before, but that's life, you know, life is always changing and evolving pandemic or not. So the new normal is using what we've learned and we're doing better. So, you know, we know better now, so let's do better with it kind of thing. And I think that that's smart. Like we learned something, Hey, this actually works better. Hey, we can actually do this much work from home. Now we know now let's move forward. And this has changed the dynamic and the way that we communicate and do business. So I think that that's an amazing thing. Right. Um, so, Oh, go ahead. That's okay. I I was going to say, you know, some of the things Well, you go first because I have like a little excerpt that I want to share. Okay. Well, I was just going to say it also helped us, you know, we obviously learned how to connect a new way in business, but I think even just life connections of family and friends and, you know, I lead a a small group of high school girls. So we had to kind of think outside of the box for that kind of stuff too. And I know we did a whole family, uh, a couple of different family Zoom games 
um, across the country. And we've always had that option, but never really thought of it before. So that was kind of a, a new fun thing to incorporate into life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we had, I had zoom meetings with my high school girls and we made them super crazy. We had like dress up theme parties and things like that, that we would do just to make it fun and interesting. Um, but I think it helped us learn how to connect with our loved ones in new and different ways too. And I'll say, even just here at the house with, you know, my husband and, and the boys, you know, you know, my youngest and I built a fort and we played a bunch of board games and we had more fire pits. So it did create some opportunity for more connection um, where we wouldn't have otherwise had it. And I know not everybody had that capability because some people were kind of stuck, isolated alone. So I, you know, I, I want to acknowledge that, that I do feel extremely blessed that I was at least trapped in a house with some other people who yes. sometimes drove me nuts, but sometimes we found some really good ways to connect. Yes. Um, I think some other amazing things that came out of this were, uh, watching people come together and be really creative and innovative in order to solve new problems, new and old problems. So I just remember, you know, coming back to work, all of the PPE standards and protocols changing um, and having to adapt to that. I think that that might've been a good reminder of a lot of the things that uh, maybe we should have been doing all along, but hadn't been as meticulous about. And I think that just happens as we practice for a long period of time. I think that we're not as stringent about our PPE and our protocols and kind of we form some bad habits. So I think it was a good reminder um, of how we need to protect ourselves while we are working with patients. But also I think of, you know, like I made friends with um, Hasib from TBS who invented uh, something called the shield back. And a lot of people invented new things to make up for new problems that we have or problems that we have had, but didn't realize how important they were to solve. They weren't urgent, urgent, you know, before the pandemic. So um, watching science and technology and the way that things were catapulted forward, even with the vaccines, the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines and the the technology that's involved in that, I forget what it's called. um, RNA. uh, Yeah, with the RNA and the cutting and the, you know, whatever, cutting RNA viruses, blah, blah, blah. Jennifer Doudner, yes, all that stuff. Just all of it is incredible. And a fire was really lit under people who are already working on these things because it became urgent. It became an urgent situation where we had to solve a problem. And now some of these things will be life-changing for us in the future, a lot of them in really positive ways. Right. You know, right. so I think Sharisa, I think maybe you and I could touch on um, some of the things that we did in our downtime too, because I think of last year and when people asked how it went, you know, I, I generally say like not very good wasn't my favorite year, but some good things still came out of it. But I just want to honestly talk a little bit about my life last year and talk about what we still accomplished despite some of our challenges that were going on. Because I think sometimes all of us tend to think it's either or. Like either your life is great and it's going awesome and you're super happy or you're super sad, your life sucks, like things are hard. Like, but sometimes you can be sad and going through a hard time and be accepting those things not be in denial that things are really hard right now and also be productive or be, be um, working on something or working through a problem. You know, you don't have to just sit and do nothing if you're sad, you know, it, it, right. those things aren't mutually exclusive. You can be making progress, accept your feelings, accept the situation and still move forward. Right. So for, for me personally, at the very beginning of last year, um, I injured my back very badly. So this was even before COVID. 
So I landed very hard. Um, I ended up with a lot of bulging discs and a herniated disc. So I was, you know, my schedule before COVID and all the shutdowns had already changed significantly. And the way that I worked had changed significantly. So I was already, ha- I was already thrown into this shock of having to adapt to an injury um, and was already like, okay, I can't, you know, work out the way that I used to. This isn't how I'm used to my life going. I have to adjust the way I do things at work and have to go to therapy now and do lots of things to try and make myself better and feel more functional, you know? And then we had COVID shutdown, right? Where our offices closed. Um, a lot of us lost our jobs. You know, I temporarily lost my job. You tempor- temporarily lost your job. Um, I had the separation with my husband. I had several health issues um, where I had, you know, a medical procedure not go as planned and then needed emergency surgery to correct it. Um, and then, you know, I had mis- mystery weight loss and couldn't put weight back on, which sounds like a great problem, but it's not when it's happening and there's no plateau and there's no way to control it. So a lot of these scary and negative things were happening, you know, and a lot of uncertainty was happening, but at the same time, Sharice and I were strategically partnering and working together to write our book, you know? So I, I had these problems going on and I was addressing the problems to the best of my ability. I wasn't ignoring them in order to write a book, right? Right. They were going on. And also when I wasn't dealing with those actively or when you weren't actively dealing with your problems and whatever suffering you're going through. Oh, and, and I got COVID at the, toward the end of the year. Right. So my husband and I got COVID on top of that. So we came back to work. Then we were sent, then I was sent home again because I got COVID. Um, so that was tough too. You know, it was an emotional thing. It was another blow. And I was like, guess the year over, you know, like all of us, I know felt, but um, in all of those though, uh, we wrote the book. We filmed some training videos. We got to know each other really, really well. We, I think, strengthened our bond. Um, positive things came out of it in regards to my marriage. My marriage is stronger now than it was before. You know, um, I have learned to adapt to how to work out and different ways to work out that don't involve using my back as much. You know, like so, some good healthy habits have have come out of it. And also for me, I'm a terrible sleeper. I always had trouble sleeping, and I really had some intentional time to work on sleeping habits and what time to go to bed and natural supplements that I can take that actually work for me and trial and error. So now I'm sleeping better as a result of having the time to kind of troubleshoot that and actually actively work on that, you know, um, had a lot of time to go for walks. You and I were, you know, exercising through this, um, kind of rearranged my, uh, like schedule and, and realized some things about myself. Like for me, during the pandemic and during the shutdown, what made me feel a sense of normalcy and got me ready for each day was I realized I have to get up, I have to take a shower, I have to put on makeup, I have to put on clothes as if I'm going somewhere. Right. And mentally, that put me in a specific state and it made me feel better. It didn't make me feel stuck in a pandemic. It made me feel empowered because those are the things I had control over. Right. So, those are, so those are things now that are carrying on in my normal life where even if I'm not going anywhere, I'm still keeping these habits because they're effective for me. You know, it was an opportunity get to know myself better, to become great friends with Sharissa, um, to strengthen and build relationships, to have space and time away, to work on my mental and physical and emotional health, you know? What things do you think, other than um, some of those things, what what was it for you? So admittedly, I feel like you had a lot more challenges than I did. And you are a rock star watching you traverse those. We definitely did grow our friendships and our, in our bond. And, and I feel like have been a really good support system for one another. Yeah. Um, but I feel like it was, if I'm being very honest, I feel like COVID was more of a gift for me 
than it was a burden. Um, you know, and everybody's story is different. But for me, um, it gave me the gift of slow. Um, I am more of an, I can definitely be an extroverted person, but I, I think I slant more to the introverted side of needing the quiet and the slow. My favorite time of day is first thing in the morning before anyone else is up and it's quiet and there's no noise happening. And I can just kind of, you know, breathe and do the things that need to happen. And so I remember I woke up and I would go out and make coffee and I'd go sit out on the back deck with the dog and a book. And half the time I just find myself not even reading, but just looking, looking at the trees and the sky and just breathing and feeling a sense of, of grateful that even though there's all this unknown happening, you know, it's, I'm going to be okay. Um, you know, faith is a really big thing to me. Um, so I got a lot of time to just spend with God and kind of refocus and reorient myself there. And so that was very, very peaceful and grounded and gave me the sense of knowing that I'm going to be okay, regardless of how this goes. I, mm -hmm. I don't have to be worried about it, but just the sense of slow. I'm a very big connector with nature. Um, that's a big deal. So you talked about taking walks and being outside and um, that, that is huge for me. You know, I do my daily vitamin D where the dog and I would go sit out on the back deck and sit on the steps for a few minutes and get our vitamin D. Um, but I just think there's a lot to glean from nature. Um, and actually, again, this is, uh, one of the things I had heard them talking about on, on Jay Shetty's podcast, they were talking about, Jay was saying, you know, nature doesn't do things quickly. It's a slow pace. You know, you plant the seed and, and it's got to sprout and then it's got to grow and break through the soil and it needs the sunlight and the water. And it's not a quick thing. And we live in such a quick society right now. You know, we've, we've got our, you know, all our fast food and our microwave and our Amazon prime and just pull up what you want to watch on Netflix. And, you know, there's just so much that we're so used to that's fast that to me, the COVID opportunity of, of the quarantine and, and being home was the gift of slow and not having to feel rushed and hurried and, and being able to breathe and, and, and really just process. And that was nice. Um, it helped me kind of realign my priorities. It helped me really connect with my family and my kids. Um, you know, we probably spend way too much time on, you know, our phones and our computers and that sort of thing. So that got boring pretty quickly. So we found ourselves, you know, playing games and building Legos and we did work projects in, in the yard and sat around the fire pit. And so, you know, it, I feel, I feel like it built more connection with my, my family, which was wonderful. Um, obviously, like you said, you and I, so we had a, I, I had kind of a tumultuous start to the year in that we actually had a fire in our practice before COVID happened. So we had to, you know, before COVID even kicked in, we were trying to figure out, oh my gosh, we had a fire. Where are we going to work now? How are we going to see patients? And so, you know, we were taken out of our comfort zone on that front and working in a, thankfully we had another location that, that could accommodate us. But again, it was totally out of the comfort zone of like, I don't know this opportunity, operatory. I don't know where anything is. I don't know, you know, all these patients over on this side of town. And, and, it's, and it's starting the year with loss because you've yes. lost the place. Like yes. you lost, lost your, your home. Business. Yeah. You're like, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we took the opportunity, you and I got to, to work on the book with really focused time and intention without the distraction. And I think that was a gift. Mm -hmm. Um, we even got the gift of working with some of the, uh, mastermind teams that, you know, Dr. Bolden and Dr. Spodak work with and, and getting to do some, some training and some, um, connection with them, which was really, really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think honestly, 
I think, you know, they, they, the phrase absence makes the heart grow fonder. Mm -hmm. I was ready to go back to work when, when they, when we were ready to open the doors. And, and that was another gift is we opened a brand new building, you know, beautiful new practice that we had built from the ground up, Mm -hmm. um, you know, after the fire and after COVID was done that we were able to go back to and start up there. So it felt like this, like fresh, clean, awesome new start. But because I hadn't been able to practice in two months, like I was raring to go, you know, here you were not, you and I were writing a book about all things hygiene and what we love and how to be fulfilled. And we're coaching people on how to do that. And then it was like, I just want to go do it. So without knowing, without knowing when we would be back doing things or like ever would be able to know like what's going to happen to the future of this. Yeah. So I, I think for me, it was, it was just a lot of, it was a gift of, of, reevaluation, realignment, you know, getting myself ready to, to move forward when the, when the time came. That's great. And it's something that you just said, actually, I can, I think happened to a lot of people. It definitely happened for me, like returning to work. I just remember thinking all the time, like, oh, work, like I have to get up early and like, today's going to be so stressful and all these patients need all and whatever. And like, I think it's easy to get that way after years of practicing and it's just kind of like you're just going about making the donuts as you like to say. And um, it was a really good shift of perspective because when I did sit in the parking lot and was like so upset and crying, I was like, I can't believe how much I love working and how much I complain about it all the time. <laughs> so it, it has made me more aware of like, I, I want to make sure that I'm thankful and remember that it's an opportunity to work and to serve patients and that it is a part of our identity, but it's not who we are as a, as a whole person, you know, but I think that it just changed my perspective about those things too. Yeah. Yeah. So I say going forward, you know, we still don't know what's coming around the bend. And, and I think, you know, it seems like we are definitely achieving a new normal um, in the COVID era. We're, we're figuring things out, but we don't know what's around the bend. And so I hope that all of us will take the, you know, what we've learned uh, about how to take a situation that looks hard or bad or unsure and turn it into opportunities for growth. Cause that's honestly, that's, you know, every day we're not promised anything, but this moment right now. So going forward, I, I hope this will, will be a calling to everyone to just, you know, embrace what's coming, look for the opportunities for growth and development and, and reach for the stars. Yeah. And I, and I would like to just say um, too, for whatever losses or yeah. challenges you guys experienced yeah. last year, we're, you know, sincerely sorry yes. for your losses. You know, everyone lost um, different things. And for some of us, it was people, you know, and we are so s- deeply sorry for the losses that you guys experienced as a result of the pandemic. And we don't take that lightly at all. Um, I hope we, we both wish you guys well, you know, moving forward. We hope that you're safe. We hope that you're healthy. Um, we hope that everyone can build um, moving forward based on what you know, they experienced and were given in all of our lives, but also, you know, throughout the last year. So we just wish you well, we wish you success and fulfillment and happiness. And uh, we hope to see your faces. We hope that you can join us and to meet you one-on-one. If you can, please make it to our Bulletproof Summit happening in July. Um, It's going to be July 8th and 9th in Austin, Texas. And the details are at bulletproofsummit.com. Really do hope to shake your hand, give you a hug in person, by then and looking forward to uh, having a lot of Q&A and human interaction. Absolutely. And if you haven't already come connect with us on a daily basis, you can download the Mighty Networks app and find us on Bulletproof Hygiene. 
Everyone have a wonderful week and we will catch you next time. Bye. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Bulletproof Hygiene Podcast. We hope you've had as much fun as we have. Don't forget to click subscribe for a lot more where this came from. We appreciate your support and promise to keep the hygiene gems coming. Keep track of upcoming Bulletproof Hygiene events by visiting bulletproofhygiene.com or download the Mighty Networks app and search Bulletproof Hygiene to stay connected. We want to hear from you. 